Hello, everyone. You are listening to Greener Thoughts. It's the podcast about environmental news, commentary, environmental facts, and other things that you'd like to know. This episode's topic is all about how U.S. consumers are confused on how to shop more sustainably. The podcast Greener Thoughts is produced every Sunday and Thursday. Please be sure to favorite, review, and also share Greener Thoughts. Last thing for you is to contact Greener Thoughts by voice message. I extremely uh, love when I get voice messages. And the info on that is in the podcast description and also every episode show notes. Also, I love emails, so you can always send an email to greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. First and last announcement I have for you this podcast episode is about this amazing event called the Jamboree and the Sierra Club uh, Maryland has it um, going on and it's so awesome because this is my first time being a part of the Jamboree and it happens and occurs every two years. I'm really glad that I got to be a part of the 2019 one and um, it's a really fun collaborative uh, event with all the uh, Sierra Club uh, members from around Maryland um, and all those who want to speak at the event, do demonstrations, teach, um, present hikes, and do other such things. It's an amazing time. You know, it's fall, there's going to be campfires and tons of food, um, and it's a three-day event, and I wanted to kind of share it um, before um, I actually... Uh, take part in it. So it's in a few days. Um, actually, um, on the 11th, it starts off and then it ends on the 13th. So for all those who can, you know, listen in um, to this episode before then, you can maybe, you know, score some, um, you know, entries into it and get your um, self-registered and everything. And I will be sure to leave the event link um, in the show notes so you can check it out and, you know, learn more. So our next segment is in other news, which is a quick dose of what's happening in today's world. The first headline for you all is about Unilever. Now we all know that Unilever is an amazing uh, company and it's a huge, huge mega corporation. So Unilever vows to reduce plastic packaging use by 2025. You can check out more on the uh, article and about it on npr.org in the environment section. So Unilever is, of course, the British-Dutch mega conglomerate, and it owns many brands and companies such as uh, Ben & Jerry's, Vaseline, Dove, among other recognizable brands. Um, And so they announced plans recently um, to actually have or have um, or create, um, you know, a split in its non-recycled plastic um, packaging by 2025. So they're going to cut it in half um, by that time. And according to their statement um, that they made recently, they currently use um, a ton of plastic, about 700,000 um, tons of plastic packaging every year, and they plan on cutting this. Um, also, Unilever's plan to pledge and invest, um, you know, in several different alternatives to their plastic that they already use, such as reusable options and refillable materials, which is awesome. And its goal is to reduce plastic use by 100,000 tons. Um, I'm not sure if that's annually or by what they already are doing. And, um, you know, Unilever is doing a lot. So they plan on even collecting Um, this material and recycling it and you know doing that will um, help save 600,000 tons of plastic every year from of course not being recycled or reused. Um, For their full uh, list of brands I just thought that I'd throw it in there 
um, you can go to their full list on Unilever's site, www.unilever.com forward slash brands forward slash. The second headline is about the Pacific Northwest. So Pacific Northwest tribes face climate change with agricultural uh, ancient practice. So what they're doing in the Southwest are, you know, a myriad of things. And one of the things affecting them right now, though, is warming waters. So uh, warming waters, because of climate change, it means less algae for clams to eat. And there's carbon in the atmosphere that is really getting um, our oceans acidic now. And so, you know, that's bad for the little bitty, tiny baby clams. And, you know, there's a solution that um, a tribe in the Pacific Northwest has come up with. The Swimish or Swinomish um, tribe, they've decided to create more clam gardens, which is amazing. Um, I don't really eat clams too much, even though I am a seafoodie and love seafood just off rip. Um, but, you know, in this way, it's helping them um, and their tribe uh, cut down on beach erosion. So these clam gardens are doing that and they're also reducing uh, wave energy uh, as sea levels continue to rise. Now, something really cool I didn't know about is that the annual uh, Swinomish uh, clam bake happens all the time every year and more than a hundred tribal members actually gather on big tables and it's really cool on the reservation there and they eat all types of uh, shellfish and so they're making it a you know tradition and doing this to um, you know do those clam uh, bakes but also create those clam gardens to help out um, and sort of you know remedy this problem and I think this should be celebrated and so that they can continue to you know, have their clam traditions and their annual clam bakes that sound really, really fun. The third and last headline is about woolly mammoths. So the last mammoths died on a remote island. You can find out more about it on sciencedaily.com in the science news section there. So the woolly mammoths are, you know, world-renowned for their enormous size and hairiness and what they um, are in the minds of us. They are amazing, immense uh, creatures. But sadly, you know, based on the research, it's found that they lived on Wrangell Island, which is all the way in the Arctic Ocean, and they died um, and died out 4,000 years ago within a very short period of time. Now, researchers, um, they believe a, a ton of factors was the cause of the woolly mammoth's death. So, um, isolated habitat from everything else, um, extreme weather events, and also the uh, spread of, um, you know, prehistoric man or humans uh, at that time may have, of course, sealed their fate, unfortunately. Now, if you would like to check out this study in its entirety, it's been published in the latest edition of um, Quaternary Science Reviews and is entitled Thriving or Surviving the Isotopic Record of the Wrangell Island Woolly Mammoth Population. The research link, I will be sure to link it in the show notes. Today's podcast episode uh, is a really great one and because I love talking about discussing sustainability and solutions among other really great topics, I thought to pull it from uh, treehugger.com and you know my reasoning for this is because you know treehugger is a really great site and I kind of wanted to um, talk about some recent research which I love talking about that's like my background. Um, but I wanted to talk about something recent when it comes to research and people being sustainable um, and, and knowing and are knowledgeable about what they're purchasing. So whether you know it or not, you know, your consumer choices make a difference. The companies that you invest in make a difference. And whether or not those companies behave sustainably 
um, do well for their employees and have a you know ethics and an, an ethos in um, what they bring uh, as a company is very important. So um, we're going to find out, you know, how people... Um, you know, know about sustainable things, you know, are you conscious enough? Are they conscious enough? Um, do you understand what brands are doing, um, you know, behind the scenes? Are they really doing all they say that they're doing? Do you know how to read uh, labels to the fullest and are you knowledgeable? You know, ask yourself these questions throughout the whole news uh, piece. We're going to uncover uh, many different things amongst different, you know, generations of people, millennials, Gen X, etc., and um, sort of what they know about uh, sustainability at a glance and also what we can learn um, in the future and how we can get better at identifying how to be better to our planet and how to, you know, have those positive benefits um, that go way farther than just saving a few bucks um, and actually can do you know really good things in the future. There's just so much to learn. I just want to dive right into the study. So I named this um, you know briefly just a study in sustainability because that's what we're going to be covering and going over. So I want to start with the facts on the survey. So an amazing group called uh, Genomatica um, found that 80% of Democrats and 70% of Republicans believe um, that sustainability is important, which is amazing. You know, we all do not deny that, but nearly half or approximately um, exactly 48% um, of those surveyed say that, you know, there are obstacles in the way of that. And I totally agree. Um, I'm not in the Democrats or Republicans uh, lane. I am, of course, a Green member of the Green Party. Um, and here in Maryland, we are sizable and growing ever, but, you know, surely. And, you know, we face obstacles, too, with trying to grow, um, you know, the Green Movement, but also... Um, when it comes to sustainability, I wish maybe we could have been in this research, but that's beside the point. Um, so there are obstacles um, when it comes to how to make things sustainable. And that's coming from a manufacturing standpoint. That's coming from a um, you know, product design standpoint. That's coming from a, um, you know, the, the point of which your product or service um, is done with. How does it affect um, you know, consumers and people down the line years to come. There's just many things, um, many complex matters. But one of the first up obstacles was the lack of convenience. You know, you know if, if there's a hindrance in sustainability, is it because it has a lack of convenience to it? Um, like, is it located in store? Can I easily go to the drugstore, to the grocery store and pick up these products that have really good, ingredi good ingredients, are great for the planet, um, you know, are made sustainably, these type of things? Um, do I not have to go far for my products? Do I have to go uh, 40, 50 miles out of my way to purchase what this company is selling? Um, that's, a, that's a big issue. Because that is part of, you know, convenience. Is it convenient or not? Um, and also, uh, is this uh, product available at the click of a button? Yes or no? You know, now we live in the age of e-commerce and everything being online. There are consumers um, who want for companies to get with the program, so to speak. And there are companies like Forever 21 for example, that's claiming bankruptcy um, recently, and they're just trying to piece it together, um, yet they do, you know, know that their products aren't sustainable in their, in their many ways that they produce their clothes and all types of things. They're involved in fast fashion. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, to think about it, not every uh Forever 21, in my mind, is easily accessible because if you don't near, live near a mall, then you're not going to go out of your way to uh, buy uh, Forever 21. Uh, for me, you know, I could go at the, at the click of a button and buy some, you know, Forever 21 mer merchandise, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but that's just me because it doesn't, you know, line up with my principles and it's not eco fashion at, at all. Also, 
uh, a number, another uh, obstacle, number two obstacle is the availability. So are these products that happen to be sustainable or good, good for you and good to you, um, are they available, you know, in your price range? Are they pricey? Are these products, you know, too rare to buy? Um, you know, people sometimes lack patience and they're not going to search up and down the internet just to find, you know, a product that they think is awesome, you know, maybe 60 bucks, maybe a facial moisturizer, but it has bamboo extract and aloe and shea butter and all these type of ingredients and it's fair trade and all these different things. But yet if it's only available certain sites or easily runs out, not everyone is going to wait until uh, that product goes in stock. So that availability there is going to be shifted to maybe another store where maybe a discounted or similar product with maybe not so good ingredients is available. So everyone, you know, everyone differs in what they're willing to uh, put up with, so to speak, just to uh, say that their products are sustainable. Not everyone's going to, um, you know, attain the availability of that product at the same time. Some things run out, things run out of stock, um, you know, and then also um, when it comes to products and they're being available, some products are only available at certain stores or um, are carried by certain uh, companies or certain uh, store places. Like for, ever, for, like for example, um, um, products like in Sephora versus Ulta only or CVS only or Rite Aid only. Some products are only carried by certain stores. And if you don't live near that certain store, let's say you're, you know, um, someone who maybe doesn't, you know, have a credit or debit card and you only shop in store, um, you may only, you know, get um, uh, sent to that store because it carries that product that happens to have the really good ingredients in it and you can attain that only at that store at that time if it's available and you see how it's all connected and that's how uh, this system is set up where the obstacles are uh, those three things um also awareness that's the third thing awareness um but the first thing you know lack of convenience second thing availability and third one is uh, the awareness. So if you're not um, aware of a product um, on the shelves, then you probably won't buy it. That's kind of hard, um, you know, to cut through when thinking of sustainability because if you don't know the products out there, you're not going to buy it um, unless someone, you know, tells you about it or recommends it, you know. Um, and also, you have to research sometimes what ingredients are in um, a product. So that's very important too. So awareness is key. These are obstacles. So again, lack of convenience, availability number two, and then number three, um, the most crucial is awareness of what's out there. Now back to the study. Now the study revealed um, a substantial hole um, when it comes to people's understanding of the products that they do buy. So many people don't read labels, only 56% do. And, you know, uh, contrasting that, um, you know, three quarters um, of the people surveyed, they, of those reading the labels, they don't understand them. And this, of course, makes it, you know, nearly impossible to understand if a product is sustainable or not. Now, uh, more into the research, Boomers are more likely to read ingredients, uh, the ingredient labels, um, at 69% compared to Gen X, which is at uh, 57%. Millennials at, at 53%, and or Gen uh, or Gen Z, also um, at uh, 35%. And millennials are far more likely to understand. All the ingredients so boomers are far more likely to read everything but millennials will definitely know what's up and so um, they're at 34% uh, compared to boomers um, which their percentage is 23% and Gen X is 23% um, or you know Gen Z's is also you know at a little lower percentage at 20% there um, so 
you know, people, you know, don't read labels and I'd like to know why, you know, are they just not willing to put in the effort? You know, learning is fun overall. Um, it's amazing what you can learn once you just, you know, suck it up and say, okay, what is in my, you know, coconut oil, you know, butter for my hair? What is in my toothpaste? What am I, you know, putting into, you know, my beauty regimen every day? These simple things can do a lot. And um, there were some other striking things about the research as well. Um, and one of them was about um, plastic um, and how it's used and what it's made from. And the fact that, you know, many of the participants didn't even know and, you know, were shocked to find out, you know, that plastic bottles come from crude oil, which I thought everyone knew. Like I knew this like back in high school, probably before then. But, you know, there's so many things that are tied to crude oil. So things like baby sunscreen and disposable plastic bags and gasoline, all those things are made from crude oil amongst the thousands of uh, plastic uh, items out in the uh, market right now and have been since uh, plastics were created. Um, you know, that was, I was shocked to learn that a lot of the participants didn't know that. Um, and according to the, re according to the survey, 96% of all manufactured goods um, are enabled by chemistry. So that's a wide a range of manufactured goods. Now, crude oil is, quote, a non-renewable resource uh, whose uh, harmful effects on the planet are manifold, causing dangerous emissions, pollution, and, of course, multiple oil spills each year, end quote, um, by a fast company which uh, talked about it. Now, to almost close, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the uh, research, um, and I want to talk about um, how much um, consumers are willing to open up their wallets and to spend more on sustainable products um, and also, you know, boycott dirty products. So one in four consumers, or 26%, say that they'd look for ways to spend more money with their favorite brand if their favorite brand introduced or increased their sustainability, I should say. So the, the, the favorite company that was out there that you knew about, if you were willing to pay more uh, for whatever money, which is great, but if it had a sustainability um, intention and message and purpose behind it, would you be willing to spend um, more for that product or money on that product is the main uh, thing here. And millennials um, are particularly inclined to do this, which is awesome, with 34% saying that they'd spend more money compared to 24% of Gen Z and 18% of boomers. And then another part of the survey info here um, is about uh, boycotting um, a brand before. So 46% of consumers say that they've boycotted a brand before and 24% uh, who have, you know, boycotted um, have done so because of unsustainable products and 23% said so due to unsustainable practices and Gen Z are the biggest boycotters for reasons of unsustainable products um, and then 36%, um, that is their uh, percentage versus a little bit lower, uh, 23, 27% uh, for millennials, and then 21% for boomers, and then 18% of uh, Generation X. So for more information on Geomatica's research survey that they did, they uh, made it into uh, their recent press release because they didn't really have a published uh, research article, which I've always, um, you know, been able to share with you all. Kind of sorry that I didn't, you know, get to do that, but it wasn't really available. And I tried looking, but I will go ahead and share with you the uh, research uh, survey uh, info in the press release, and I'll put it in the show notes for you all. Now I want to leave you with some notable quotables before I get into my thoughts on everything. So from the press release directly, quote, nearly half, 44% of consumers didn't think disposable water bottles are made using ingredients derived from crude oil 
and 42% didn't realize personal care products like face moisturizer contains crude oil-based ingredients, end quote. And then the next quote is from the Geomatica CEO, Christoph Schilling, with some positive news. So, quote, there's a real opportunity for the industry to educate consumers to help them get over these hurdles and for brands to market and deliver more sustainable products with greater transparency on where they come from to feed this surging demand, end quote. Um, so I have many different um, thoughts, I think, overall on this topic, and I love that I got to talk about this data and kind of break down from the research that was there, the different generations and how they compare in their behaviors, um, you know, when it comes to um, what, they'd willing, what they'd be willing to pay for um, a product from their favorite company, you know, if it had a sustainable uh, mission and purpose behind it, everything like that. It was amazing because I would definitely shell out some money for some Origins products or some other um, products that I stand behind. There's so many different brands out there. Um, and so I think that these um, sustainable solutions are what we need for now. We need these for our present and for our future. Um, and if the responsibility is on the companies, is it on them? Is it on the companies or the consumers or both? You know, who is in charge of sustainability? If it's the companies, you know, those who are built now, or is it in the hands and in charge of, you know, the consumers, those who build up these companies and make them who they are today? Who is in charge of sustainability and making sure people are accountable, making sure companies are accountable? I think the short answer is we all are. You know, you give these companies your money, you expect greatness in their quality, in their products, and you expect greatness on the tail end when, you know, you take these products home and they have their seal of approval and you know that you can trust going back to this company day after day after day. And even in the beginning stages, before the product is even on the shelves, companies are responsible for what they put out there. They're responsible for the footprints that they leave on this planet. They're responsible to us. They're made up of people. These boards of directors, these CEOs, these financial officers, they're responsible. They're responsible for the design of their products, for whatever they're producing, even their services. And they, they make an impact. And they need to know that. And I'm telling them that right now on my platform, on my podcast. And I want you, anyone who's listening, to know that you can make an impact. You have direct control over whether a company thrives or falls. Because if you don't like what they're putting out there, if they're polluting our rivers, our, our lakes, our streams, our, their point sources that go out to the ocean to pollute the very water that you drink every single day, you should know that you can tell them about themselves. You can boycott their services and their products, their gas that gets pumped from places all the way on the other side of the planet and the oil spills that happen every single couple of years, sometimes multiple times within the year, but that's not always reported. These companies can be put out of business. Gas is a billion dollar industry around the world. It's, it's multi-billion. I'm surprised it's not even in the trillions right now. But I'm saying that we had choices. I want to share with you some of the companies that are the worst for the planet and see if you recognize some of these brands. Some of these brands I already knew of. Um, one of them is Progress Energy. Another is Duke Energy. ConAgra Foods. You may be familiar with them. Maybe from Food Inc. or documentary, food films, similar. Um, ExxonMobil. 
a hot one. They're a worldwide, worldwide known gas company corporation. Um, Smithfield, um, known for their farm products, food products. Tyson with their chicken. There are so many more companies, but these are some of the ones that struck that struck out to me, um, mainly because of their food and energy and gas-related nature. So I want you to take some time and think about the companies that are doing you know horrible things to the planet. Walmart, for example, just to pick one. So you know you can be educated in environmental matters, sustainability included. I get more educated every single day. You know, there's plenty of research I do behind the scenes for my podcast. And, you know, I have a passion for it. But you can also have a passion for many things. It doesn't have to necessarily be sustainability related. It can be wanting to explore more. Find out where these companies are setting up shop, what laws they're getting around, um, and how that affects you at the end of the, you know, day, at the end of the year, you know, at the end of your life, you know. Have these companies gotten over you? You know, pick which companies you think you can buy things from and until they prove themselves, you know, hurtful or otherwise, um, you know, horrible, then maybe you can still stick with them. If these companies haven't abused you and, you know, your time and your money, you can maybe, you know, stick around um, and still support them. They're companies that are doing wonderful things, giving back, giving back their time, community service, um, still unionizing their um, employees, um, doing wonderful things. Um, And so those companies matter and they're out there. They really are. Um, I have two important environmental book lists for all my uh, bookies out there who... um, and bookies, bookies in the term of those who love books, because I love reading and I love books. Um, I have two really important lists. One of them is about, um, you know, waste and recycling matters and um, zero waste. And I created it probably two years back. It's got hundreds of books on there. And I created another one um, about environmental sociology, which is uh, my my love. And I really love environmental sociology. So... I have research books on there, social science, and other uh, subject matter books related to environmental sociology. I'll probably link them in the show notes so you all can check it out. Um, Some of those books are about sustainable matters. Others are about natural disasters. Others are about research um, on topics in environmental sociology. So for all those who love to read, you would definitely love those two Um, different lists and I created them some years back and they're amazing and I try and add to them frequently. Um, I want to share with you quickly some of my favorite brands that I use quite frequently Um, and I think I talked on some of these in a previous podcast episode um, about brands and so one of my favorite brands is Simple Shoes. They're amazing. They're, They're called Simple and so they make shoes and they're the makers of the Planet Walkers, which I love and still own them. It's been like probably more than six years or eight years or so more um, than that probably since I've, you know, had Planet Walker shoes. I remember my first pair I got for Christmas and I really wanted them and I kept them for a long time. Um, And Shea Moisture is another company I cannot um, say enough good things about. They're amazing in their... Um, community initiatives and their ingredient choices, black-owned brand, family-owned brand, around for a long time. Amazing. Um, Preserve products. Their cookware, their dinnerware utensils are a mainstay because they're convenient, um, made of recycled, um, I think number three, and also I think number four, the hard to recycle sort of plastics. Um, and they're really great, you know, just, you know, use them for your utensils, really great, last like forever, but, um, also you could recycle them, but, you know, they are great. Um, there are other, um, cookware products that I'll probably talk about in another episode. Um, Burt's Bees is my favorite. I've known their products for probably more than a decade. I love their stuff. Um, every lip product. Um, from their lip shimmers, their lip glosses, 
um, the different lip balms. I remember the Tingly Peppermint Original Lips, the original um, chapstick that they have. I love it. Um, Vivo Barefoot is a great brand. I love their shoes. We'll continue to buy their shoes. Um, and they're based in the UK. And 100% Pure, they're amazing. Their products are heavenly. I can never say uh, too, too many um, you know, bad things about them ever um, at all. They're just amazing what they do with fruit uh, pigment and cosmetics, and they just do so much. Those are just a few of the brands I just use a bunch and just have in my life. There's so many others. So I want to leave you with um, a few key takeaways. And one of them is that awareness is key. Yes, that is very much important. And that's one of the um, things that talked about in the in the survey and the research that kind of impedes sustainability because like if you don't know what's out there you're not going to go searching for it um and so you know the continuous education and learning every day something new and how to be sustainable and pick sustainable things um is very important also accessibility so um that is very general, but accessibility when it comes to different formats, because everyone is different. So um, the young, for example, teaching the old, um, you know, the, the young and old can, you know, boycott different brands and companies that aren't sustainable. Um, and, you know, those who those companies that aren't sustaining themselves into the future. And, you know, if you are, you know, having to essentially pay high costs for an abysmal product, you don't need to be supporting that company. And when it comes to accessibility, you know, everyone learns differently. Sometimes those who are older, they love print materials. They love in-person things. For those who are young and on their phones all the time, sometimes a social media campaign or something um, like a, maybe a cute giveaway or something of that sort may reach the young in a different way than the old. So we have to teach where everyone is instead of where we think that they should be. You know, everyone is really different when it comes to how things connect with them. So that's really important. Um, and when it comes to uh, the high cost of products and, you know, them being abysmal and just being low quality, you know, think of it as this. Simply, if something like an organic t-shirt isn't cotton, um, and, and pure cotton and just organic that way or not fair trade, you know, think that I'm, you know, think I won't buy it, you know, think that way. Um, and, you know, like I said before, the young and old can learn from each other. Definitely um, older folks have to learn from the young um, about what's happening now. So, you know, that really changes, um, you know, how we all learn together. We can learn so much from each other instead of creating uh, division we can create unity there. So I want to proceed with the next segment, which is going to be, of course, the Mother Earth Minute segment. Do you love Greener Thoughts? Supporting Greener Thoughts ensures more giveaways are available with even more exciting prizes, future Greener Thoughts merchandise, and surprises found only on Greener Thoughts. I greatly appreciate and love all of the listeners who have tuned in and who support Greener Thoughts by doing good for the planet. One of the many ways I would love your support is by clicking the second lower link in the description section of this episode. It's the direct support link for Greener Thoughts. The Mother Earth Minutes is where I review in the next few minutes actions that you can take to combat the issue in the episode and as always save Mother Earth. The message for this podcast episode is to just choose sustainability. It may be hard to think of or maybe too simple to even think of where to maybe start but there's so many options and there's so many companies out there, thousands not millions of companies, but I want you to learn one thing. And one of them is that information is just out there and it's out there for you to take. You know, I have a really great source and it has 
um, some of the, the top and best sustainable uh, companies out there. Um, 100 as of uh, 2019, this list is from Forbes. And the source is from their global uh, 100 event. Um, and the data was actually compiled um, from a Canadian uh, or Canada-based uh, sustainability-focused financial information company. And it's also a magazine. And it's called Corporate Nights. And they had created a list of 7,500 companies, all of which generate more than $1 billion in annual revenue. And this list, I will link it the whole list on uh, Forbes' site and the methodology from Corporate uh, Nights. I'll link both of those uh, for you in the show notes. And you'll be able to see the 100 best uh, companies on the planet that are doing sustainability the correct way, the right way. You know, a ton of these companies are very, you know, much varied. And so I want you to look at which companies, you know, are there. Maybe there are tons that you recognize, some that you don't. And uh, see which ones that maybe you can support, you know, big or small, doesn't matter. Again, these companies have generated more than $1 billion in annual revenue. So they make big decisions and they make big bank. And you want to ensure that these companies that you're looking at um, you know, are ones that you support and can support. If they're doing things for the planet, doing, you know, great things, then you should want to support them. So like I said, I will link both of those in the show notes. So that is the first tip. And now the second one and last one I have for you is to, you know, give you some assistance. So if you by chance need pointers and, you know, want to ask questions about, Um, how to find more sustainable uh, companies to support, maybe some organizations. I can help you and maybe point you in the right direction. So if need be, you can always email me, of course. Um, I'm always up for that. And so I love researching. It's what I do. And so I can suggest some different uh, avenues for you and point you in the right direction, whatever the industry. Um, And so, you know, if if you're a consumer, especially, and you want some ideas of where to shop, I have other podcast episodes of which I talked about different uh, companies that are doing well in the uh, shoe category, in the apparel lines, um, and other um, different places. So there's just so much to learn. And again, um, if you're able to and want to learn uh, different companies that are out there, I can help you do that. The ego fact of the day is that the Swedish startup Kangaroo proposes deploying hundreds of pogo sticks in San Francisco, London, and Stockholm as a zero carbon transportation option. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra magazine in the September-October 2019 issue. Green Adults wants to hear your story. You can choose to self-nominate or nominate an individual who exhibits environmental stewardship and supports the environment. Do you work hard in the environmental field, in either an organization or company? Either way, let Green Adults know. If you want to tell your story and be in for a unique surprise, please be sure to send your 200-word essay to the email address greenadoptpodcast at gmail.com Alright everyone, we've come to the Eco Company Spotlight which is the amazing segment where I talk about tons of uh, environmentally related products or services and I have been doing so since February 2019 and I have an amazing one, and I want to share with you it um, in this podcast episode. And if you, by chance, are in charge of a environmentally related um, company, and you don't know, have a service or product that you'd like to share, I can definitely 
rate it and give it some love on my uh, podcast. So right now I'm going to talk to you about Badia, a really amazing company you may or may not have heard of. Established in 1967 by Jose Badia, Badia Spices is one of today's leading family-owned Hispanic food companies. Badia manufactures, packages, and distributes spices, seasoning blends, marinades, sauces, teas, health items, and other products to more than 70 countries around the world. Badia Spices is proud to offer organic and gluten-free products. Badia has tons of different products that they carry in many, many categories like baking, canned goods, coconut milk and water, food coloring, healthy items, hot sauces, Mexican foods, nuts and seeds, olive oils, organic foods, salt, sauces and marinades, seasoning blends, shrimp in dried and seasoning varieties, soup bases and cubes, spices and herbs, and also teas. Now for where to buy Badia products, you can always go to their site, badiaspices.com. That's B-A-D-I-A spices.com. And then click um, order online. To contact Badia, you can call them at 877-629-8300 or their their other number, 1-305-629-8000. You can email them at custserve, that's C-U-S-T-S-E-R-V, at badiaspices.com. You can also mail them at 1400 Northwest 93rd Avenue, Doral, Florida. That's D-O-R-A-L. Zip code um, 33172. Or you could also mail them at Badia Spices, Inc. P.O. Box 226497, Doral, Florida. Zip code 33322-46971. And I want to talk to you about my experience of Badia's products, specifically their teas and their spices. And I got to tell you, I've been um, a fan of Badia's uh, products for probably more than probably five or six years now. And, um, you know... I love their stuff. Like, I fell for their um, paprika and their chili uh, spices that they have. Um, there's some other spices too. Maybe their ginger. I think I still have some of their ginger. Um, and then their Saison uh, Tropical um, Spice. I love it. And I still, you know, use it. And I've refilled and mixed other spices into it. Um, Badia and sometimes other ones. And it's just amazing what they do with their products. They have amazing taste very much lengthy and how long they've been doing this in the industry and their tea is wonderful as well sorrel tea is nothing to play with i love it It it's so good and i use brown sugar only uh, when it comes to you know sweetening up teas and things like that sometimes i'll use honey but for sorrel tea in their sorrel tea i'll use um that um so you know their spices are great to cook with adding to food etc Um, And Sorrel tea is good overall, Um, though my preference is always going to be Jamaican Sorrel, um, the drink, not the the tea, because Badia has tea. Um, Sorrel is just amazing. It has so many benefits. I want to break them down to you. You know, Sorrel, Jamaican Sorrel is really good with uh, weight loss, anti-cancer, um, it's anti-inflammatory, it lowers your blood pressure, lowers your stress levels, reduces menstrual cramps, and so many other things. Jamaican Sorrel is just amazing, even though um, Badia is great too, but I'm not sure if they have um, a Sorrel drink. Um, and again, they are a, a Hispanic a brand, so it's a bit different, but still amazing quality products. 
Now, Badia products in their line of items can be found online at their site, BadiaSpices.com, also Amazon.com, BJ's Wholesale Club, eBay.com, Lucky Vitamin, Vitacost, among other stores online and in stores across the country where available. Badia is on the following social media platforms of Facebook at Badia Spices Inc. They're on Instagram at Badia Spices, all lowercase, one word. They're on LinkedIn at Badia Spices Inc. They're on Twitter at also Badia Spices Inc. And they're on YouTube at Badia Spices, all lowercase, one word. Last but not least, to go ahead and contact Badia also, you can go directly to their site, Badia Spices, that's B-A-D-I-A Spices.com forward slash contact dash us forward slash. Thank you all for, of course, tuning in and listening. This is a wonderful podcast episode you know, deep diving into how sustainability is measured, especially in the thoughts of, you know, people who maybe, you know, just like you, Democrats, Republicans, young, old, whatever generation, how they see sustainability. I hope that you share this podcast episode with someone who is questioning whether, you know, a product is sustainable, whether they can learn something from this podcast episode or not, I really hope that you share it with them and, you know, get the conversation going, but also doing these next steps and having these be mainstays, having these be actions that you can continue to do in many, many years over and over and over, figuring out what products you buy, what companies you're investing in, where you're putting your money and how it all ends up and what it's doing to your health, the planet, and those around you. I would like to, you know, say again, thank you for everyone for tuning in and be sure to do so um, next time on another podcast episode and email me if anything else. Um, So you all take care until next time. All right. Bye.